Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah everybody and welcome home. For the past few years we've always started our programs with this statement and we mean it because community is a place that we all should call home. A place that gives us peace, a place that gives us tranquility and a place that we know is going to be there. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes faith in the Quran, He mentions stability as being a requirement for faith to grow. Asluha thabit wa far'uha sama That its roots are firm and its branches grow to the sky. If we don't have stability, if we don't have permanence, if we don't know that something is going to be there for us, then our faith won't be able to grow. This is why when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina and made the migration, the hijrah with his companions, at that moment, when they arrived at their new permanent home, he said the beautiful phrase, Afshus salam, spread peace. Why? Because peace can be attained now that we have a place that we can call home. For the past five years, Roots has been able to be a part of so many people's lives, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. And we're so honored to have that be a part of our legacy. But we've been doing it in temporary spaces. We've been doing it in hotel banquet halls, in masjid side rooms, in people's living rooms at home, and in temporary lease spaces where when we were signing the lease, we knew that this was not going to be there forever. But that can change. By the favor of Allah, with our foundational organization, Qalam, we've been able to find this beautiful property here in Carrollton, Texas that will be the permanent location and facility for the Roots Community Space. A place where everybody can feel that tranquility and have that growth of faith that Allah Ta'ala tells us about. We need your help to close on this property. We need you to generously donate and contribute whatever you can, adding your name to this list of people that will help build and construct a permanent home for us to build the model community following the example of the Prophet Muhammad in Medina. Help us make this dream a reality. Visit rootsdfw.org slash home. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Welcome home everybody. It's good to see you. How's everything? Alhamdulillah. Doing okay? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I, uh, um, I was recently with somebody and you know, mashallah, they, uh, they had a beautiful trait that I loved. You know, they, I was visiting them because they had been through some tough times like with health and career and stuff like that. And every time, uh, every time they finished talking about one test, they finished with Alhamdulillah. So he said like, you know, yeah, I got diagnosed with this, Alhamdulillah. And then as a result, my insurance wouldn't cover it, Alhamdulillah. And I had to leave my job, Alhamdulillah. He just kept saying, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. That was like his sort of the way he tied up everything with a beautiful bow. And I thought to myself, like, what an incredible heart this person has. That, you know, this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ come to life. Ajaban the Amr al-Mu'min. The Prophet ﷺ said, how amazing, how wondrous is the, the life and the affair of a believer. Right? That if something good happens, they're thankful. And if something bad happens, what? They're patient. So remember that, you know, you always say Alhamdulillah for every situation. And without trying to sound too dismissive, because a lot of times we don't like to be dismissed, but in the right context, this advice, it makes a lot of sense. If you're not emotionally charged and really upset, the advice makes sense, which is, it could always be worse. That's the advice that, in the moment, it's not the wisest thing to say to somebody, you know? Someone gets into a car accident, their car's totally like, it could always be worse. You could be totaled, right? Uh, maybe at that time is not the best thing to say, but the advice is still true, right? So, alhamdulillah. Uh, we ask Allah Ta'ala to always make us grateful. Okay, uh, so we are, alhamdulillah, going through uh, Surah Al-Kahf. You know, I hope inshallah that, that as we're going through this, all the lessons and all the little reflections that we're sharing, uh, I hope it's becoming like abundantly apparent why this chapter is recommended to be read every week. You know, not, not every Surah in the Qur'an has that recommendation. Of course, you should be reading the Qur'an as much as you can, but... There's not a whole lot of chapters where it's weekly regiment, right? There's not a lot. Um, you know, there's some that are, they have different virtues to them. But this is being prescribed, like every seven days. You should not let a week go by except that you read this chapter. And really, if you start from the beginning, the introduction, the first story, the intermission, the second story, and now this, the lessons become so abundantly apparent that it's like it is... Timeless advice, universal advice. No one, no matter how old you are, where you live, what situation you're in, is going to find this stuff irrelevant. And that's true today. With today's passage, as I was going through some of the tafsir and reviewing it, I thought to myself, how, how real is this? 
Subhanallah. So if you remember, we just finished talking about the passage of the men, right? One of them with the two gardens, okay? And Ibn Ajiba, who was one of the great explainers of the Qur'an, one of the great extractors of the lesson from the Qur'an, he actually said something really amazing. He said, in this chapter in Surah Al-Kahf, he said, every time you finish one of the stories and it wraps up, whatever comes after that is going to be like a commentary on that story, as well as the next transition to the next part. So whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing now, these next few ayat, it's important to tie it back to the story that we read. Okay, so as I'm explaining today, I'm going to make references. So try to tie it together with me, inshallah. So last week, because of the weather, we did. I did it online. Anyone, were you guys able to catch that live? Yeah. Anybody? Okay, not a lot. Let's do a brief lightning round of what we talked about in the last time. So Allah Ta'ala, He addressed the example of this life, and He said that, think about the example, the parable of this life, in which what? Allah Ta'ala sends down rain, that rain causes vegetation to grow, and then after that vegetation grows, everything scatters. You guys remember this? Things come to life and then they? Well, it dies and then scatter, right? Yeah. Things come to life and then they die, right? I'm not trying to, this isn't like a, that's a great clip just for Instagram. Things come to life and then they die, come to roots, okay. <laughs> but no, it's the nature. Allah Ta'ala, in His summary of the existence of things, things come to life, they flourish, and then they? die, and then after they die, they become non-existent, like they disappear. And Allah Ta'ala here is demonstrating by this example, His perfect ability, His ability to cause things to grow, and then the inability of everything, right? the inability of something to sustain itself without Allah. He mentions wealth and children, and He says that these are the two things that are the most beautiful aspects of life, that a person acquires wealth, they work hard, they get what they want, right? they're looking for a job, and they they get the, the offer, they accept it, they uh, you know, start a family, they have children after trying, and they finally are blessed with a child or two or however many. These are the things that people really invest, and they really dig deep in their hearts for these things. And Allah Ta'ala, He says that, yes, they are from the beautiful aspects of this life. However, they are fleeting, they are temporary. The wealth you had can go. The children that you raised will leave you. This is the nature of... This life. And Allah Ta'ala says, what will stay with you are the baqiyatul salihat, those good deeds, those righteous actions that are everlasting. Then Allah Ta'ala says that on the day of judgment, those mountains that you see, not in Dallas, but when you travel somewhere that's picturesque and you see mountains, you have this idea that that mountain is firm, is stable. It doesn't move and it's not light and it's not. You know, uh, it has substance. A mountain is something, I mean, even in English we say the phrase what? A person can move what? Mountain. mountain. When we talk about someone's like effort, their ability to dig deep and to really make change, we say what? It's like moving mountains. This person can move mountains. So we understand, even from the English language, American culture, that a mountain is something that is stable, it's permanent. So Allah Ta'ala says here that on that day, the day of judgment, you're going to see the mountains floating in the sky. They're going to be moving. They're going to be like a caravan. You know, if you guys are walking at a, across like a long, long distance and you see like a caravan going across the desert, it looks, you can't even see the footsteps. You just see motion, right? So the mountains will be floating across the sky and you will see the earth. Allah Ta'ala says what? It will be laid out bare. There will be no hills and valleys, nowhere to hide. People hide behind mountains. They hide in the crevices of the earth. Everything will be flat and exposed. Every single thing. And he says that we will be gathering people on that day. People will be gathered and not a single person will be left behind. This is Allah describing the day of judgment. In this life, when things are getting real, when things, when accountability starts to come down and you, know, you get that email from your boss saying, I need to meet you on Monday at 8 a.m. Right? There's, there's elements of, okay, well, how can I deflect? How can I run away? How can I hide from this? Or even if I have to attend this meeting, like how can I uh, uh, you know, distribute the blame to somebody else? Okay, If I'm on a team, it's like, all right, if I'm going down, everyone's going down with me. But subhanAllah, Allah mentions on the Day of Judgment this idea of loneliness. On the Day of Judgment, you will be isolated. There will be no one there to blame. Not even shaitan, not even Satan. In, in, in all of his blame and all of his accountability with Allah, even he will not be.
He's somebody that all of us can look to and say, he did it. He's the one who distracted me. He's the one who tempted me and gave me these. No. Because every person has their own responsibility to make the best decisions for themselves. So Allah continuously throughout the Quran mentions this idea of being alone on the Day of Judgment. Even those people that we love. Allah Ta'ala says on that day people will be separated from their siblings, their brothers, their sisters, their parents, their children, their best friends. No one, you won't have the ability to rely on anyone. It doesn't matter if you're nervous or scared or anything. No one will have the ability to rely on anyone. May Allah Ta'ala keep us company on that day. So then he says, and people will be gathered in rows. People will be stepped up in rows. So it's not going to be chaotic. It's not going to be a day where no one knows what's going on. No, Allah will know exactly what's going on. And out of reverence and fear, everybody's going to be lining up. Okay? I mean, if you got, have you guys ever uh, gone to like KFC in like Mecca? Or like gone to get fast food somewhere overseas? Okay? Who gets food? The strongest person. It's like, a, it's like an evolutionary, it's like a biological evolutionary like experiment. Who can keep eating to keep themselves alive? The strongest, loudest person. Okay, so in the, in, the, in the world, in the dunya, people are chaotic and people climb ahead of one another. You know, sometimes in America we have this facade of like, oh, we're orderly. We're people that have order. Wait till the red lights stop working. You see, I see them blinking. Everyone's on their own. They have to send a police person out here to like, you know, wave people through. The nature of human beings is that naturally we are people that are, we take what we can get. Okay? Might is right. On the day of judgment, on a day when it's clear who's in charge, there will be no chaos. There will be no people rushing ahead. This and No. Allah Ta'ala says what? That people will be lined up before Allah in rows. And Allah Ta'ala will say to those people that you have come back to me at this time just like you came to me the first time. We've been through this before. Like you tried to ignore that this happened. You tried to ignore that there was a day, the day of the Mithaq, when Allah Ta'ala gathered all the souls. Every soul that existed is existing or will exist. Allah gathered all these souls, the hadith tells us. And he said what? Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? Everybody. And everyone responded saying what? Bala. Absolutely. So the fitrah, the internal admission that every person has, that we are a created creature. And that we have a sustainer. Whether or not we know all the 99 names or the Quran or the... Every human being has the internal fitrah, the compass, the spiritual compass that Allah exists. And that is a, that's a remnant of that day. The day where we all took that oath. The pre-existent day of the promise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah says in this ayah, ayah number 48. This is for those who just walked in. We're doing a little lightning round of what we covered last week online. Allah Ta'ala says that this is an appointment that you tried to deny. You lived your whole life denying the appointment. Whether, and this is Allah Ta'ala, subhanAllah, I mean, he, he created us, didn't he? We literally push off accountability in every facet. Whether it's like getting your passport renewed, whether it's going to the dentist, right? I apologize if you're a dentist here. No one wants to go see you, right? Okay? Whether it's getting a checkup, getting your blood work done. I mean, how many times, how many times have you guys rescheduled appointments? Yes or no? Is it a thing? And when do, you, when do you end up forcing yourself to bite the bullet and go? When you have no choice. Very good. So you're like, you know what? Passport's expired. I'm not traveling. And then all of a sudden you get this deal. $89 to Mexico on Spirit, right? You weigh it all out. You're like, listen. This might, be a, this might be the last trip that I take. You know what I mean, right? And you start, and they, oh, I have to get my passport renewed. And you rush, rush, rush. And then you gotta, and they tell you you have to get an appointment and all this. And you're literally, I mean, like, subhanAllah, people who have their life together, like, teach us. How? Because there is nothing more stressful than denying the inevitability. Think about the stress. On the Day of Judgment, that's going to be the greatest form of stress. How do you reduce that stress on the Day of Judgment? You begin to acknowledge it here. You acknowledge it here. You acknowledge that there is going to come a time when I have to meet Allah. And i got to act accordingly. If I choose to continue to ignore that, then on the Day of Judgment, Allah is going to say, you lived your life constantly telling yourself that this wasn't going to happen, and now look where we are. One day you wake up, and there it is. It's the Day of Judgment, right? 
And so Allah Ta'ala said, you promised, you swore that there would never be an appointment, but here it is. And what's going to happen on that day? Allah Ta'ala says, everyone's books are going to be laid open. Every book will be laid open. And the person, the mujrim, the, it's, it's, you know, means criminal, right? They'll be struck with fear. All of their record of deeds. You know these two guys, the angels on your shoulders, that are writing everything? Inshallah, the right one is busier than the left. All right, inshallah. So everything will be laid open. And what are we going to say? يَقُولُونَ يَا وَيْلَتَ يَا وَيْلَتَنَا مَا لِهَذَا الْكِتَابِ The person's going to be in shock. What is this? What? I've never seen this before. I've never seen something like that. The person be staring at the page and saying, everything's here, everything. There are deeds that even I forgot about that are here, that are in this right now. There's nothing missing. There's nothing small or large that's, you know, I didn't, I didn't get lucky. I didn't, except that it's present. And I see every single thing that I did is here. Every single thing that I did is here. And this is the ultimate question, right? Realize that in this moment, Allah is not oppressive to anybody. Nobody is going to be able to say, Oh Allah, you mistakenly wrote this down or this and no. Everything is going to be laid clear, right? I used to wonder when I was younger, like how, you know, you have these questions, like how, how is it possible? How is it going to pop? And then Facebook memories came out, <laughs> right? And like Snapchat and like all these like, oh, this is what you did last year. This is what you did. Literally today, wallahi, I got one. This is what you were 10 years ago. And I forgot that that moment even happened. I forgot that I ate at that restaurant. How many deeds have we done, have we accomplished that we completely forgot about? Now, the good deeds, that's good because that's a sign of your sincerity. You do the good deed, you move on. You know, you don't live your life waking up every day like, oh man, remember that one time 15 years ago I prayed? What a baller, right? The good deeds, when you forget them, it's a sign of sincerity, right? Bad deeds, when you forget them, it's a sign of hypocrisy. Abdullah bin Mubarak, he said that the person, when they become lazy with their bad deeds, like their istighfar, it's one of the greatest signs of hypocrisy. That hypocrites meaning what? It means that they don't actually live the faith that they claim to have. They don't actually live that faith. May Allah protect us. So on that day, it's going to be basically, as they say, it's going to get real. And everything is going to be laid out in front of us. And if you want to know more about that day, Wednesday night with Sheikh Mikhail, inshallah, right? He's covering it with the journey. It's amazing, inshallah. My wife gets to go. I don't get to go because she has to go. And we have children. It's not responsible to leave a five-year-old at home. Even played over dinner. Uh, but... I hear, I watch online, and I also, my wife says it's, it's remarkable. So please, please make time to go Wednesday nights, inshallah. Just, if you have to, just listen to the summary of this and go in person to that one, inshallah. Okay, the next verse, ayah number 50. This is all new now. We haven't done this before. Allah Ta'ala makes mention of a specific moment in time. Where was the, little pop quiz, where was the moment in which shaitan made his grave mistake? Iblis made his grave mistake. What moment in time was that? Who knows? When he didn't what? When he didn't bow to Adam. Okay? So Allah commanded who to bow to Adam? Iblis. We talked about this. He didn't command Iblis, by the way. Iblis was included. Who did he command? The angels. The angels. Very good. Okay, so he commanded. You must trick me. He commanded the angels. And Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اِشْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ that, and when it was commanded to the angels to bow, they all bowed except for Iblis. Now, clarification for everybody here, those who know, those who may not know, Iblis was not an angel. It's not an angel. Okay, we don't have that in our theology. We don't have the idea of a fallen angel. What do we know about Iblis? Allah says, He was from the jinn. Who are the jinn? Right next to you, very good. No, who are the jinn? <laughs> Who are the jinn? I'm sorry if you live alone. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Just place it a buckle. You'll be fine. Who are the jinn? 
They're made of? Fire, okay. Jinn are made of fire. They're just another creation. You know, one of my teachers, we were all like, Shannon, tell us about the jinn. He's like, they're just another creation. And we're like, that's not exciting. And he's like, that is what it is. Like, you made it more exciting in your head. They're just another creation. The only thing about them, like animals, insects, right? Think about this, okay? The jinn, the thing that makes them so, like, wow, is that they're unseen, right? But, like, before microscopes and, like, electron, like, weren't, like, so many living bacteria, like, all also unseen. There's a lot of different organisms that are unseen to the naked eye, and they're just from amongst them. So don't, there's no reason to live your life in constant fear of jinn, okay? Remember, Allah Ta'ala created them just like he created you, and there are good jinn as well, right? Jinn are designed just like human beings. They have free will. They have the ability to choose to worship or to deny Allah, and that's all we need to know. Again, if you go, oh, let's dive in, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. The reality is, these are things Allah never asked us to do. Allah did not ask us to write a dissertation on the jinn. So don't do it. And many of the things that you read about jinn, if it's not coming directly from the Quran or from the Hadith, is all speculation anyways. So many people, oh, jinn do this, jinn do that. The reality is these, a lot of them, not all of them, some of them are traditionally sourced, but a lot of them are cultural, like folk tales. Okay? There's a lot. So just make sure you check things up and remember, Allah Ta'ala is more powerful than the jinn he created. Okay? Remember. So I don't want anyone staring at their bedroom door tonight. Okay? Just close your eyes. It'll be okay. So, he was from the jinn. So what does this mean? Well, Allah is here clearly designating he was not an angel. What's the difference between jinn and angel? Angels don't have the same free will that we do and that jinn do. Okay? Angels worship Allah. One of my shiuch, he said something very beautiful. Angels, when they worship Allah, get the same feeling that you get when you eat delicious food. And Imam al-Ghazali said, right, when you hear that, you're like, man, I suck, right? Angels worship Allah and they love it. Angels worship Allah and it's delicious, it's sweet to them. It's easy for a person to kind of get down on themselves. Imam al-Ghazali said, no, no, no. He said, you actually have the potential to be better than the angels. And he said, hear me out. He's a, he's a logical master. He said, hear me out. He said, because angels don't have a choice. This is what they were created to do. You have a choice. If you choose to worship Allah, you have transcended. You have become better than the angels if you choose to worship Allah because angels don't have a choice. In fact, angels are so shocked by your existence that you choose. That when Allah Ta'ala was in this story, when Allah was creating, creating Adam, the first human being, what did the angels say? They said, are you going to create a creation that's going to spill blood and that's going to cause corruption on the earth? Are you going to... like they, were, they weren't challenging Allah, but they were curious. Like... You have us. We worship you. We praise you. We do everything right. And Allah said what? I know that what you don't know. That in the heart of this person, this human being, as they struggle all day to do the right things and make the right choices, when they conquer their nafs and do something correct, when they pray in that stairwell and their coworker Josh, says, what are you looking for? When that, mo- sorry for your name, Josh. When that moment happens, when that moment happens, you have shown what Allah, one of the things that Allah was referring to. Realize that when you make a good choice, you're proving in that moment what the angels didn't know. That you have the ability to be close to Allah without being created for that, without, any, without having any will. So he says that, This is the moment of departure. Now again, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, Shaytan, what a loser, right? Shaytan here is disobeying Allah. He's going against Allah's command. But Allah then asks a very important question. He says, Are you going to take him, Shaytan, and his progeny? Don't worry about Shaytan's wife. That's not what we're talking about here, right? How does he have progeny? Uh, all you know, some of the scholars they said that this referencing of Shaytan's children is like not literal in that sense, but just all the different Shayateen. So Allah is saying, Are you going to take him and his gang, his progeny, as what? Awliya, as close, dear friends, Minduni, as opposed to Allah's Pramata'ala? Allah is asking us a very powerful question here. Because how many of you here can think to yourself, Yeah, I want to take Shaytan as a close friend? Is Shaytan like someone that is on your close friends list on Instagram? Does he see the green circle? No. No one here, like no one who knows who Shaytan is wants to be close to Shaytan, yes? 
But does that mean that we're not? No. No. So there's a really interesting challenge here, subhanAllah. There's a really interesting challenge. Ibn al-Qayyim talks about this, and he says that when it comes to people who are close to shaitan, there's generally like two camps, okay? There's one who are the people that, may Allah protect us, they actually want to. They actually embrace it. They're like, we know that this is wrong. We know it's immoral. We know that stealing is bad. We know lying is bad. We know that backbiting is bad. But we don't care. We want to be doing this. Okay, we want to be doing this. And Ibn Qayyim says, you know, this is, it is what it is. You know, how are you supposed to, how can a person rectify somebody else when this is the situation? So that person is kind of like almost they've written their own destiny, that they've chosen this path. But he says, the second category, which is way more common, that one's a little rare, way more common, the second one, and way more challenging, are the people who make claims against shaitan, but then do exactly what shaitan wants. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? People are like, I hate drama, but I got some tea. <laughs> right? People are like, oh my gosh, right? I hate liars, but then when it comes to you, you start to lie. This is the second category, right? The person who talks about modesty, 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 and then they look at pornography. What kind of, what kind of heart is that? Right? What kind of believing person can manipulate? It's someone that's, they're like tricking their own selves. This is why when Allah Ta'ala talks about this person, he says, you've oppressed yourself. You know how DJ Khaled, may Allah guide us all, says you played yourself? This is like the ultimate version of playing yourself. The ultimate version. Can you imagine being somebody on the Day of Judgment that you thought for a fact that you were following this like narrative of piety? And then when you look back at your deeds, well, what al-kitab? It's open in front of you. You see everything, and it goes exactly opposite of everything you thought you stood for? This is the second category. So when Allah is asking this question, it's not being super literal. Yes, you have a question? Yeah, what if they're doing it unconsciously that they don't realize what they're doing or they're just going to get Good question. What if someone's doing it unconsciously? There's a difference of understanding about what unconscious means, right? So there's two levels of unconscious. When, a, when, when someone is not doing something consciously, right, or subconsciously. Number one is that it truly is and always has been uh, it has evaded their awareness. Okay? So an example that I'll use is like when you teach children what lying is. They don't know what lying is. You just say, hey, did you brush your teeth? They're like, yes. Right? And you're like, you're lying. They're like, what's that? So that is genuine, innocent, like, mistake. That's a genuine, innocent mistake. Anyone ever hear like, missed a prayer genuinely? Like you thought you had more time and then you're like, yeah, we have one hand on sugar. Yeah. Right? And of course, it happens. Anyone here like set your alarm for Fedger, drank a ton of water, slept on the floor, turned the AC off, you did all the steps, and you wake up and it's like, Lord? <laughs> it happens. Look, it happens. And this is why the Prophet said, what about this action? He said, if a person genuinely makes the intention, takes the means for something, and they're not able to do it, they're still rewarded. And they're not held to account, okay? But there's another level of subconscious, which is it's so frequent that at one point it was novel, and now it's lost its novelty. Now it's a part of who I am. These are not forgotten. So if I, the first time that I lied, I got nervous, right? Sweating, right? I was, my eyes were dilating, my heart was beating, right? All the normal reactions, by the way. And then I got away with it, or I was able to divert my punishment or my consequence in that, in that, in that worldly situation. So then what do I do? Well, if I win, I'm going to just keep lying, right? Because I learned that, you know what? I can lie and I can get what I want by lying. I don't actually have to do something. I don't have to go through the difficulty of doing something. I'm going to just lie. So then I lie again and again and again and again and again. Eventually, what's going to come out of my mouth without me realizing are lies. This happened to Fir'aun. Fir'aun, in order to convince people that he was God... He would take their sick cows. This is in, in Ibn Kathir's Bidah uh, uh, when they had. He says that he would take their sick cows. He would take them. He would say, I'm going to cure them. I'm God. And he would take them in. And his court of like these, you know, scholars slash whatever, like magicians. They would take the cow back. They would look in the fields that they had, the stock. And they would find a cow that looked similar. And they would replace it. Ta-da! Cured. 
right? This is actually a, a narration in Bidai Nehaya. So eventually what happened was, he did this like all year long. They got to a point where they ran out of cows. Because eventually you're going to have all these sick cows, Bichada, right in the back. These poor sick cows like coughing. And then you're going to have all your healthy cows gone. So these people came, they announced, come, come to the court of Firaun, bring your sick animals, we will, we will cure them. I was going to say repair. We will cure them. And then eventually his scholarly board said to him, hey, don't do this. We ran out of cows. We don't have cows. He goes, what do you mean we don't have cows? What are you talking about? I cure them. No, no, this is actually, he said, I cure them. And they, they looked at each other like, oh no. Like he's become so steeped in his own, in his own dead heart that he actually believes his own lie. So when that happens, the person cannot say, well, I'm not aware. No, 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 no. You're not aware because you made this your new normal. There's a difference between making something a new normal and something genuinely being outside of the realm. If I keep missing prayer because I skip it, that's my new normal, that's on me. But if I genuinely didn't know what time or whatever, that's its own experience. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, inshallah, okay? So, these people, right, where was I going with that? Before the question, I forgot. They're playing themselves. Yeah, they're playing themselves. Very good. DJ Khaled, Allah Yaddi. inshallah, okay? So, yeah, I pray all the time. Pray when I walked in here. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yes. So, the interesting part is the second group, the one who says, you know what, I truly, truly believe this is wrong, but then my actions don't line up with that. What is Allah saying? Allah is saying that if you fall into that category without realizing it, you're actually taking shaitan as your guide. Like shaitan is teaching you, and everything you're learning is that. This is a description of human beings. What happens with us when we do these things is that we start to sort of trick ourselves, and we start to tell ourselves, and we give ourselves a lot of excuses. We give ourselves a lot of loopholes and we say, you know what, it's okay for me. We shouldn't lie, but my situation is different, right? We shouldn't do this before marriage, but my situation is different, right? Everyone's got a different circumstance. The minute we start to rationalize why our situation is different, who are we imitating? That's what he did. Allah said, do something, and he said, wait, hold on. Let's talk about this. I have some different thoughts, Okay. When the command to, is given to bow, to prostrate, there is no room for Shaitan to say, uh, is this, you know, can, I, can, I, can I offer my suggestions? And how many of us, when Allah tells us, like, do this, pray, fast, do this, there's a lot of conversation, even internally, about, okay, well, what can I do for this or that? Right? Be careful where you earn your risk from. Right? You get a job offer from Anheuser-Busch. I'm happy no one here knows who that is. Okay? MashaAllah, I'm proud of you. Okay, I'm proud of you, MashaAllah. You get a job, you think, you're like, you know what, well, technically, I work in the outreach department, and we're like, you know, we make non-alcoholic stuff, and we go to schools, and what it's, and you try to find loopholes and loopholes to find your way. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some situations that do need consultation with scholars to figure out genuinely what the situation is, but man, there's a lot that are pretty open shut, huh? There's a lot that are pretty much there, and you know, in your heart, the Prophet ﷺ said, whatever rattles your heart is a sign that it's not the right choice, right? But not the sick heart, because the sick heart never gets rattled. Only the heart of the person that wants to come close to Allah feels the irritation, feels that shaking. We ask Allah to give us healthy hearts. Okay, so he says what? He says that you take them as your, as your partner, okay? وَهُمْ لَكُمْ عَدُوُّونَ And he is actually your enemy. Like you took him as your, you guys have ever watched a movie before where there's a plot twist at the end? That guy who you thought was like on the, on the good side ended up being like the cause of all of the destruction. That's shaitan. Shaitan's goal, we talked about Barsisa two weeks ago. Shaitan's goal is to do the ultimate plot twist on everybody. Shaitan's goal is to make everybody feel comfortable with him. And then at the very end is to ruin your existence. Not ruin your life, ruin your afterlife. Shaitan doesn't want to ruin your life. He wants you to have a great life. But in exchange for that great life, he wants you to completely forget about your afterlife, which is the real life, okay? Allah says, man, so unfortunate. What a horrible exchange that is. What a horrible deal that is. It's like buying something and realizing, you know those people on eBay who used to sell back in the day, like PS4s? You guys ever heard about this before? They said PS4, new box. And they would charge $500. How many of you guys would buy that? You know what they forgot to write? New inbox. 
So the person would spend 500 bucks, but like, I'm getting a new console. And they would get, the box would come, they're like, this is really light. They would open it, and it was a new box. And some dude just made 500 bucks. And he's like, alhamdulillah, right? Because he's probably Muslim. I'm just joking, right? <laughs> Forgive us, okay? But you know what I'm talking about? Imagine how fast your heart would sink. Imagine how fast your heart would sink. You guys saw those TikToks where someone's like, found a great deal, got duped, right? In that lady's voice, the automated robot voice. Never doing this again, right? And you think to yourself, man, how horrible would that feeling be? Imagine on the day of judgment showing up and shaitan's like, got you. The whole time I got you. You thought you were doing the right thing. You thought you were this. You thought you were that. I had you the whole time. I had you on a string. I was dragging you along. Okay? Allah Ta'ala addresses now in the next verse, number 51. When he talks about those people that denied the existence of Allah, he asks a really amazing question. If you have the audacity to deny the existence of God in this whole paradigm, he says, I did not, you weren't there to witness the creation of the heavens and the earth. He says, You were not there to witness the creation of the heavens and the earth. Nor even your own creation. Okay? And he said that I would never have taken any of the misguiders, any of those people who were misguided as assistants. The tafsir of this says something really beautiful. Allah Ta'ala uses this as an example. Why? Why do you think Allah Ta'ala is talking to those who deny Him and He's saying you weren't there? The thing you're denying, you weren't there. Because these people, these Quraysh would say, you know what? Allah did not create us. Allah did not create the world. He did not create us to worship Him. So Allah is saying, wait a minute, were you there? You were there when you were created? So if I didn't create you, you know who did? Why would Allah ask this question? Any ideas? Any reflections on this? To show you your own lack of awareness on something so critical to you. Like you don't even know where you came from or how you came to be. You just know the existence. And, and you had what? All the while. <laughs> you had confidence. Very good. Excellent, mashallah. See, this is the, by the way, are you like a, are you a scholar of Tafsir? No. Yeah. <laughs> this is an example of what reflection does. If you open up the Quran, you read and you reflect. Look, no one's asking you to pull rulings, right? We're not doing fatwas, right? Come to my house, fatwas, Friday night. This is just reflection. Allah is challenging the person. You so confidently, you so blatantly had such strong opinions about something and you weren't even there. Hey, how's that restaurant? Oh, horrible. When would you go? Never been. <laughs> what? Why are you so why are you so like aggressive then about your opinions? Well, I just have aggressive opinions. When the people deny Allah, he says, "Hold on. Show me when you were there. Show me that you were there and then we can have a conversation." He's saying, "You don't even qualify to have a conversation about the creation of the heavens and the earth." Right? You don't qualify. Were you there? No, you weren't there. Okay, so your lack of existence is proof that you are subordinate to something. Because when people want to do what they want, this is a very, very important conversation to have. Many people struggle with belief in God. Yes or no? Okay. Statistically, right, the, the, there are Islamic uh, you know, think tanks, Islamic ones, that do research and surveys about why people reject Allah. It's... it's it's a common thing that people experience. Many, I would say four out of five, or five out of six, high percentage, they reject Allah because of some experience they had, whether it's family or religious, okay? And it leads them to resent the entire religion as a whole, and they say, you know what, I don't know if I wanna be a part of this. Okay, this is a one category. There's a much smaller category, but it still exists, of people that genuinely, genuinely, they didn't have a negative experience per se, but they are so hyper-skeptical of the entire picture that they say, you know what? I don't know if I can accept this. I don't know if I can submit to this. Because why? Because I don't have sufficient enough proof to make me feel comfortable with it. You guys know what I'm talking about? What's the difference? The first group is what? They have bad experience. The second group actually has like deep, deep hyper-skeptical thoughts about Islam. Both of them exist, right? I'm not here to call out anybody. I'm just saying from the surveys that have been given, all right? 
What's interesting is that when people have issues believing in God, what are some of the main proofs they bring up? Anybody? Let's do a lightning round. Can't see him. Who says can't see him? Very good. Can't see him. Right? What else? They're suffering. Suffering. Okay, what else? Those two? Why did bad things happen to good people? Okay, why do bad things happen to good people? Suffering, kind of. Yeah, anyone else? Big Bang. Big Bang? Is that that drink that people drink? No, Big Bang, right? Science, right? Yes. So religions, how do we know? How many? How do we know if my religion is correct? Okay, anyone else? Creation of God, free will. Very good. Okay. Huh? Religion is evil. It's meant to control people. This and that. Okay. Not capitalism. Religion. So, what? Subhanallah. What is the common thread between all of these doubts and these and these uh, contentions? I should say contentions against religion or against scripture is there are many elements of knowledge that are that we don't have that we are we don't know how can i submit to something that i'm not certain about and when i talk to people like this by the way genuinely a lot of them are very sincere they say you know what i'm willing to submit i just need to be convinced i need to be convinced so i say okay that's fine when you get on a plane do you say that you have to meet the pilot and see their credentials i'm willing to fly but i got to see your credentials when you guys came into the building tonight did you check for the certificate of occupancy no? Did anyone here make sure that the plumber was licensed who installed all the plumbing that's running above your head right now? Could you imagine? Right? Could you imagine if they weren't? Anyone here check to make sure the electrician was actually bonded before they installed all this stuff? Anybody? When you bought your car, did you go to the plant to make sure it was, it, was, it was assembled properly? No. So we have no problem accepting things that we can't see, right? True or false? Okay? What's the issue? We don't like being told what's right and wrong. That's the issue. The car company doesn't tell us what we can and can't do. The pilot doesn't say that this is haram and halal. That everything steps away from morality. The minute we are told that this is something allowed for you and not allowed for you, that's when we say, whoa, 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 hold up. Show me that you're God. If you want to be in charge of me, show me that you're God, and then I will listen to you. So Allah Ta'ala says, you weren't there. You don't have the credentials to even question this. And you have no problem questioning anything else. You just want to do what you want to do. The real problem is everybody wants to do what they want to do. And no one wants to change their behavior for anybody. When Allah Ta'ala here makes clear in this surah and all the others that, you know what, this path that I've laid down for you, it's not to make your life difficult. No, in fact, it's to make your life easy. I'm teaching you to be a righteous person to make your life easy, to make your life better, to give you a higher quality of life and a subsequent Afterlife. We'll pray in a few minutes, inshallah. Just let me wrap up this passage. Okay? And then he says, On that day, he will call, he will call out to everybody. Yomayahulu, uh, Allah Ta'ala will say to everybody, What? Call all of your partners who you claim to have with me. Call all of them. Whoever you put in front of me, call them. Now, a lot of modern, contemporary Muslims, we feel safe when we talk about idols. We're like, oh, Alhamdulillah, I'm not that dumb, right? I'm not like Quraysh, worshipping stones of horse and this and that. Idols are different. Idols may not be made of stone now, but they exist. Right? We even have a TV show where a bunch of horrible singers get on TV and, 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 and embarrass themselves. Right? American Idol. My mom, by the way, when we were kids, was like, Astaghfirullah, it's al-arfda. Right? Which is Egyptian for, what is this disgusting thing? She's like, idol? Idol? Right? That was my mom. I'm like, mom, no, it's an English word. She's like, la, shirk, ala shirk, this is shirk. Right? And again, it's interesting, right? SubhanAllah. It, it's in some ways, I, I'll never forget, man. I used to think that was a little over the top. And then I met people, you know, like who saw like a, a um, like they got something signed by like a celebrity. There was one kid that I met. He was like a huge, huge Michael Jordan fan. And he got something signed by Michael Jordan. He goes, he's my idol. And he kissed it and he put it on his forehead. And I've only seen people do that with the Quran. So I was like, dang, she was right. Like, my mom legit called that 20 years ago. She was like, no, don't use that word. The idea is that we have different things. Idolatry just means that you devote yourself to something. So on that day, Allah will say, hey, Abdurrahman, go ahead and call everything else that you used to skip Salah for, call that. And see if that thing can give you Jannah. Go ahead, just call, whatever it is. Was it work? Was it family? Was it movies? Was it game? What was it? What was it that caused you to skip Salah? Call it. Bring it here. 
and ask it for Jannah. And then on the day I'm like, oh Allah, like I, it, it is speechless. There's nothing, I can't, that's not how Allah, exactly. Exactly. So he says, call the partners who you have claimed and invoke them. But Allah says, what? They will not respond. They'll be sitting there silent. And Allah Ta'ala will say, as a result of that, they will be put into the valley of destruction. Allah Ta'ala will put all the idols that people had, everything that they devoted before him, they'll be put and they'll be destroyed in the valley of destruction. And then Allah says, All of those criminals, all those people that disobeyed Allah, that did not repent. May Allah Ta'ala save us from this group. I don't want to be here. I don't want to see this. Many people want to see it. Like, I don't want to see anything. One of the du'as my teachers used to make was, Oh Allah, don't let me see the fire. Don't let me hear the fire. Don't let me smell the fire. Don't let me even know the fire exists on the day of judgment. Take me away from everything that has to do with fire. That on that day, the mujrim, the criminal will see the na'ar, Right? And he will, what? And he will be certain that diminishes and he says, وَلَقَدْ صَرَّفْنَا فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ كُلِّ مَثَلٍ وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ أَكْثَرَ شَيْءٍ جَدَلًا Allah Ta'ala says this Qur'an has an example and there's so many different examples within this Qur'an that every single person in this room can open up the Mus'haf can read the translation and can say, man, that really hits. That's really striking a chord. How many of you guys have had that experience? You listen to like some lecture or you read the most and you're like, this is speaking oddly to me. This is like connecting with me in such a real way right now. Allah Ta'ala says, this is the nature. This is the result of the Quran. It's so beautifully diverse that no matter what stage of your journey you're at, man, today I was getting my hair cut by a brother that's not Muslim yet. Okay, us has been working on it for a minute, right? So I'm talking to him. And we're talking about like, you know, we're talking about kids and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he's not Muslim, so he drinks a little bit, right? He's like, what does your religion say about alcohol? I'm like, oh, man. And I was like, you know, uh, it's wrong. Uh, I was like, but let's talk about God being one again. Um, no, but we talked about some things, man. We were talking about just like the idea of taking care of the poor. That was a big thing for him. Because he was like, you know, what does your religion say about charity? And I was like, you know, the Quran constantly mentions taking care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, those who don't have food, those who need well, those who need help. I was like, it's one of the pillars of belief. You can't be a Muslim if you don't take care of people. And he was like, man, that's so dope. Like he, and then we kept going, kept going, kept going. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy, I, I'm not even, it's not me. I'm just telling him verses. I'm just translating verses for him, right? my hair. And he was like, word. <laughs> wallahi. The, I said, wallahi. You can see that, right? He goes, word? I was like, word. Bro. I was like, you know what, man. Right? And he, wallahi, stop. Okay? So we talked. And I said to myself, as I was leaving, I was like, I was like, he definitely cut my beard a little too short, but <laughs> I changed my thoughts apparently over, over, over the afternoon. I said, I said to myself, subhanAllah, how relevant is the Quran to every living being? Like, you don't even have to be Muslim to open the Quran and be like, this is amazing. He's not Muslim. This guy's not Muslim yet. And he just got a tafsir lesson, an hour-long haircut, he got a tafsir lesson, and he's like, maybe he's a better person as a result of hearing the Qur'an. This is Allah's promise. Allah says, you want to find what you need in the Qur'an, don't ever discount yourself. Oh, I'm too new. Oh, I don't know Arabic. Oh, I can't understand Arabic. No. The Qur'an, Imam Suyuti and others, they say it has like hundreds of layers. Just because you don't, can't access tafsir and this and that, who cares, man? You can, you can dive right in. Now again, rulings, all that, maybe not. But reflections, isharat, 
reminders, everybody, everybody can go into that. But then Allah said, the only person that will resist, there's one kind of person that will resist. He says, The person who has in their very bones an argumentative DNA. Everything that is said to them, but, but, what about, what about, right? He says, in order for you to benefit from this book, Just read. Read, reflect, think, apply. Don't fight back. You know, Allah gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen and be quiet. If you're constantly pushing back on everything, how will you give your heart time to let the message sink in? Right? Let the water, like you put your watering a plant, let the water sink into the soil. Okay? Let that happen. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to be from those people. That when we read the Quran, we let it sit in. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to benefit from these examples. We ask Allah Ta'ala to save us from the hellfire. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that never see, never hear, never experience, never feel, never smell, anything that to do with the hellfire. Oh Allah, many of us have sins that we are ashamed of. Oh Allah, forgive us for those mistakes. Oh Allah, many of us have mistakes that we commit that we forgot. Oh Allah, please forgive us for those mistakes. Oh Allah, many of us have good deeds that we have bankrupt because we sought reputation. Oh Allah, forgive us for that mistake. Oh Allah, many of us struggle with doing the right thing. Oh Allah, give us the courage and strength to always do the right thing. Oh Allah, on the day where everyone is running from each other, allow the Prophet ﷺ to take us by the hand. Oh Allah, allow us to reach the highest levels of paradise and to be with the Prophet ﷺ, with him in those levels, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow us to be able to transcend all of the difficulties that we have in this life. Oh Allah, please untie all of the difficulties we experience in this life. Oh Allah, if anyone is sick, give them shifa. O oh Allah, if anyone is scared, give them courage. O oh Allah, if anyone is overwhelmed, give them ease. O oh Allah, if anyone is anxious, give them relief. O oh Allah, if anyone is sad, give them happiness. O oh Allah, if anyone is lonely, give them company. O oh Allah, if anyone is hungry, give them food. Ya Rabbil Alameen. And for everyone that we forgot in our du'as because we are deficient, O oh Allah, you know surely who needs your help. O oh Allah, grant them your assistance, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahu bihamdulillah. Jazakum al-khair, everybody. We'll see you, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.